Welcome to the Cleansing Word Podcast with Pastor Kevin of Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa. Join us as we go through the Bible as we encourage your walk with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa, visit us at cclv.org. And please share and subscribe to this podcast. Now, let's hear a message from God's Word. Philippians chapter 2 today, just going through the book of Philippians, a chapter a week, and today, as the overall theme of the, of the series is pressing towards the goal, and today's title being, Let This Mind Be In You, and it comes from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let This Mind Be In You, which is also in Christ Jesus. And so we are to be of the same mind as our Creator, as the same mind as our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, growing in that, growing in our faith, growing in our walk and service in Christ, we need to be in that mind of Christ. We need to have his thoughts, what the Bible says, are higher than ours. You know, his ways are higher than ours. That he would be our all in all. And that we would have his mind, his ways active in our life. We start off in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, and it says... Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each Esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So we have unity and humbleness here. And being of that one mind, that one accord too. Being that united in and through Christ. Having that humbleness that we can serve, that we can have that service to others, looking not only to our own interests, but also for the interests of others. We need to see others' needs and want to take that action, be, take that action towards them. That we aren't self-focused, but we're others-focused. Of course, God first, and then others second. That we're outwardly focused from ourselves on what we can do in service to Christ for others. That unity and humbleness, we, in Romans 12:16. It tells us 
Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So we have the, have the wisdom of Christ. We just finished Proverbs in youth group on Wednesday nights. And we talked about wisdom. I mean, it's, the book, it's a book of wisdom. And applications of it, that we would take God's wisdom, have an understanding of it, and then apply it to our lives. And Proverbs is a great book for that. Um, a lot of great concepts in there. And of course, the rest of Scripture too. But we're to have that humbleness, not be wise in our own opinion, but have that mind of Christ. Be of the same mind together toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. That we're to live humbly here in this life, humbly in and through Christ, that others would see Christ in us, that they too would bow before the King of Kings. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So as we he are hearing the word of God, as we are reading the word of God, as we're partaking of the word of God, as we're praying, as we're allowing the Holy Spirit to renew us, to work from the inside out, sanctifying us. You know, we have this renewing of our mind. And what does that do? It, that it may prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. People always, always want to know the will of God. Well, this is the process to get there. That we're in Christ, we're in his word, we're practicing our faith, we're we're walking with him each day. And I love that first part in verse 1 of chapter 12, Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So what is our response to what Christ did for us on the cross? It's that reasonable service, that not out of obligation, but out of our heart that we want to return our service to the Lord because he gave the ultimate service, the ultimate sacrifice to us by dying on the cross. 1 Peter 3.8 1 Peter 3.8 tells us, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, 
that you may inherit a blessing. So again, another reminder, being of that one mind, that mind of Christ, being united in Christ, and again, wanting to act um, not out of our own interest, but uh, for the interests of others. Having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. So that is our call to unity and humbleness from Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Picking up in verse 5 of Philippians 2, it says this, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. See, he's our example of being humble. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in the heaven and of uh, those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. No, whether it's here on earth or when a person dies, they're going to acknowledge Jesus as the Lord. Because he is. Because that's the truth. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. But we need to accept that here on earth. That we can go and be with him. Because if we die without acknowledging him as our Lord and Savior, the one who paid that penalty for our, our sins, Yes, we'll acknowledge him in our death, but we will not be with him. We'll be eternally separated. And so we need to bow our knee to him now, acknowledging that he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He is the Savior, the one Messiah who died for our sin, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have eternal life, forgiveness of sin, and that sure hope of heaven one day. And so again, our theme verse for today, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Verse 5, you know, Christ is our example. If we want to have the mind of Christ, we have to look at Christ and who he was and how he acted, how he did things. That as we study the scriptures, as we study the gospels, and we we hear from God's word. We see Christ as that servant. As that one who had all the glory of heaven, who humbled himself, came to earth as a baby, just like you and I, that, we, that he would grow to be that God-man, live that perfect life, to die that perfect death in service to all who would believe. Let this mind be also in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery 
to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And if we go to Isaiah 53, famous chapter, it really reflects um, what Paul says in this section of Philippians 2, verse 5, in the next verses. He humbled himself. He took that form of bond for servant, coming in a likeness of men. And this is what Isaiah 53 tells us. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. But all we like have gone like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him all the iniquity of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. And so, I mean, just look at the characteristics that are described of Jesus in here. I mean, his appearance as a man wasn't anything to be desired, yet he had crowds following him because he spoke the truth, the truth of God, because he is the Lord, he is God, he is the truth. And here it talks about he had done no violence, he, there was no deceit in his mouth, he is truth. But verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he has put him to grief. You make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many. That's, he went to justify us. He went to the cross to justify us. That through his justification is just as if we never sinned. Only the Lord Jesus can do that for us. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made the intercession for the transgressors. The Lord did all that for you and me. He was a he is our example. He is our model of living 
this life, that we live it through him, because he made that no reputation. He was a bondservant. Again, that bondservant, meaning that he chose to be that servant. If a master would free a slave and they chose to bond themselves to that master, they would, it was a free choice to be that bondservant with that master. And we can be that bondservants of Jesus um, just as he was that bondservant for us. He came in that likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself. You know, Isaiah 53 goes through his death, obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so God highly exalted him, gave him that name which is above every name, Jesus, that name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those under the earth and those under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Have you confessed Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God? It's Jesus, your Lord and Savior, that you are sure. You have that surety of faith that God has saved you from your sins. And you will have that place in heaven in an, surrounded by his glory to see Jesus face to face. If we go to John chapter 11, we have the raising of Lazarus. I just want to read a couple verses from it. John 11, 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then John 3, 16, 3, 15 and 16. 16, of course, being that famous verse. John 15, and John 3, 15, sorry, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. And then Acts 10, 43, where Peter is at Cornelius' house, Acts 10, 43, so this is, Peter going to the Gentile Cornelius. This is where the Gentiles are first incorporated into the body of Christ. And so towards the end of Paul's preaching to the household there, it says in verse 43, to him all the prophets witness that though through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. And I love this next part. Verse 44 says, while Peter was still speaking, so while he was still giving the gospel, while he was still finishing that, 
the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. God's gift is for all people, for all who believe, all who would call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And Christ is that example of how we should live, the mind that we should have, the mind of Christ. The next section in verse 12 of 2 Timothy, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works it in you both to will to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in this world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in labor, I'm sorry, not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of, our, of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice for me. And so the light, he was telling them that they were the light, that you shine as lights in the world. This is an interesting beginning of this section. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Does that mean that it, it's our responsibility for our salvation? No, that's not what it goes to, because we have to read in context. And the next verse kind of fills that in. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So, yes, we have to, we should practice our faith. We should, as you would practice an instrument, as you would practice a sport, as you would practice a skill of, of any kind, you we need to practice our faith. We need to be with God. If you're going to have a relationship with somebody, you have to spend time with them. You have to be committed to them. You have to interact with them. And so that's the same for our relationship with God. It's not a one-way street. It's not only when we're in dire need but it should be a daily an hourly thing that we are walking this life in and through Christ work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to do will to will and to do for his good pleasure and then Here's another good component to this. 
that I'm sure many of us are good at. The negative part of it. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Uh, how easy is that to be negative in that? To complain, to dispute. You know, he, he, in the beginning here, he was talking about unity, that we're to be in unity in Christ. And what does complaining and disputing do? Cause division, cause weariness. And so we need to um, do all things without complaining and disputing. Um, as a coach for basketball, uh, and a lot of coaches I know try to do this, is to get uh, their players to um, not complain to the refs. Um, it's hard to do <laughs> because guys just want to um, defend themselves. Uh, they want to um, to have somebody acknowledge that they were fouled. Um, but you know, usually the games go better if you just uh, let the refs rough and you just play. Um, and I have to remember that as a coach too. Um, that I need to do that too. Um, but it should be my, you know, the coach's responsibility to talk to the ref if there's things going on in the game that um, maybe they're not seeing or they're not calling. Um, but, you know, our, our nature, by our nature, we like to complain, we like to dispute. And so God calls us to to stay away from that and to do all things without complaining and disputing. And why? That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We're to be in that mind of Christ. We're to be following his example. We're to be those lights. We're to allow his light to shine through us and to be those lights in this world, in this crooked and perverse generation. Paul said it here, and it's just as applying to us today. We live in this crooked and perverse generation that is far from God. And the church, us, and throughout the world, we need to shine as lights in this world, holding fast to the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You know, when you pour into people, you know, it's, it's such uplifting when you see results, when you see them striving and, and doing well in what you have invested in them, especially in faith. And that is what our goal should be as we do invest in others, that we should rejoice as we see them grow also. Yes, and if I am poured out, so he's saying, if I die for my faith, 
and poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And for the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice in me. So this blameless, this theme of being blameless, of, of being above reproach, Second Peter 3.14 tells us, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved Paul, sorry, our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. So Peter here references Paul and what he has written to the same group that Peter did. And he talks about here looking forward to these things, being diligent to be found by Jesus in peace, without spot and blameless. So having that blameless, being above reproach. So being that others can't accuse you of doing wrong. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. You know, we're impatient. We complain. We dispute, right? But the Lord, he's long-suffering. He's so patient beyond what we deserve. But he's so long-suffering. And it's for our salvation. As long as our beloved brother, Paul, according to wisdom given to you, has written to you also, that, you know, he brings Paul into this. You know, Paul, I would say, had that same mind, that same long-suffering um, as he was there in prison. And that, you know, these examples, especially of Christ, these examples of being blameless, of being patient, of being the light of the world. And then Proverbs 11:20. says, those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord. But the blameless in their ways are his delight. So as Paul delighted in the Philippians, Christ delights in us as we walk in and through him, that we live out this faith here and now. The next section is about Timothy. Verse 19 of chapter 2 in Philippians says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may encourage you when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I myself shall also come shortly. So he wants to send Timothy to the Philippians, 
the minister to them. He's not going to send them right away. So we'll get to that in a minute. He's going to send this letter with another person, Aphroditus. We'll get to him next. But with Timothy, he's, he gives him some great praise. They, that he says, I have no one like-minded. You know, I have no one else but Timothy like me who's going to come and um, sincerely care for you. And he says, for all seek their own, not things which are in Christ Jesus. And remember in the beginning, he implores us to let each of you look not only for your, his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And so he's contrasting this now here saying that for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But we are to be Christ-minded and seek that for others. Seek the interest of others before our own. But you know his proven character, talking about Timothy, that as a son with his father, Paul claimed him as a son, not his natural son, but son in the faith that he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. So he's saying he, he might need Timothy a little longer for himself, but he intends to send him to the Philippians. But he also, in that hope, which would not come true, but he had hoped that he himself would be able to go and be with the Philippians. Uh, himself, Paul. And just a little bit about Timothy. First Timothy 1, 2. First Timothy 1, 2 says, To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So this greeting of Paul, again, acknowledging Timothy as a son of faith. And he tells him, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And then 1 Timothy 4.12 tells us, as he Paul is talking to Timothy here, let no one despise your youth. So youth, there's youth here today. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in the word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So these are characteristics that we all should have. But here he's speaking specifically to Timothy, to the youth. But be that example to the believers in the word. So the word, conduct, love, in the spirit, in faith, and in purity. So that's encouragement, youth, for you guys. You know, just because you're young doesn't mean God can't use you for great things. As Timothy, he's got two books in the Bible that are written to him, two letters. And he did, you know, I wish we knew his story more of all the things that God did through him. Um, what an awesome tale that would be. And then finally, we have Aphroditus. And so verse 25 of chapter, Philippians chapter 2 says, Yet I consider it necessary 
to send you Aphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. It, as we continue through this, it was like Aphroditus was a pastor of the Philippians and very well could have been. That word messenger kind of hints towards that. And just as we read through the rest, just the characteristics of Aphroditus and who he is um, really pulls through. Yet I consider it necessary to send you Aphrodite as my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. See, so he was longing for you all and was distressed because he, you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but he also, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I send him more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such a man, such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. And so Aphrodite stepped up. He came to Paul to help him, to supply him, to provide provision for Paul. And he has such a heart of a pastor. He has such a heart of a minister. And again, I emphasize we all should be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, ministering to others. And that's seemingly what he did. He ministered to Paul's need. Paul calls him my brother, my fellow worker, um, Timothy. Um, he says um, that I have no one like-minded. You know, it's, you know, when you get into ministry and you're in the battle with fellow believers who have that like-mindedness, who you bond with, who you are battling with in faith as you're ministering. You know, those, those, I mean, you just don't forget those times. You don't forget those people. You don't forget um, that bond and that all is centered in Christ. Find those people in your life and do the work of God together. And we, as a body of Christ here, should have that mind and have that ministry together. Ephroditus really had that heart of a servant. He came to minister to Paul, but he also wanted to get back to his people and to be able to minister to them. And he didn't regard his life. He lived out that first part of Paul's message in chapter 2. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for those interests of others. Because he had the mind of Christ, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That mind of looking for others, uh, interests of others. Aphroditus really has this in his life. He's this example of this, having that heart of a servant, that production for Christ. In the wrap-up, I just want to read from Matthew 25. 
because this is the results of service in Christ that as we minister in Christ as we are faithful to him as we look out for the interests of others as we as we have that mind of Christ to go to that day to be with him in Matthew 25:21 to hear these words what a day that will be And this is the parable of the talents. And to have this said to us as we finish our race, as we've pressed towards the goal, as we've had the mind of Christ, Matthew 25, 21 says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And as the worship team comes, let us go to prayer and just give thanks to the Lord and go to him, ask him for that unity, that one-mindedness, that attitude of seeking others before ourselves, that we would be servants of Christ, have that heart of that servant, like Aphrodite, that we would serve others, not looking to our own interests, but to the interests of others, having the mind of Christ. If you want to stand with me. Father God, we come before you, and we just give you thanks and praise that you, Jesus, are our motto. Our, you humbly came in the likeness of men, to live out life perfectly, to teach us, to guide us, to direct us. And you gave us the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we could be filled with you. Oh, Lord, put it on our hearts, the ministry that you have for each of us. Where would you have us serve, Lord, this day? this life. Lord, for those young, as we talked about today, Lord, I pray for them. They are the next generation of your body here on earth, Lord. Lord, I lift them up today. I pray that they would fully be committed to you in all, that they would find their place in service to you throughout this life, working together to minister the gospel, to be the lights that we talked about in this world. And Lord, may we all shine for you through your glory. It's all about you, Jesus. Or may we have truly your mind, the mind of Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.